Welcome, church, to our worship, and I'm glad that we could hear from people about their experience during this circuit breaker. You know, this is a time where we are actually yearning to reclaim some of the ordinary things of life. It's interesting as I talk to people, as I interview or just connect, um, the main thing that people always remind me is they miss the ordinary things. They're not looking for exceptional stuff uh, after this circuit breaker. They're just looking to go back into the life that they, they, they've often taken for granted. What are some of the things that you have taken for granted in your life that you have lost because of this circuit breaker and you're looking forward to, to get back? I know for a lot of people, it's just coming physically back to the church gathering. But you know, PM Lee um, a, a few, uh, last week actually shared this with us. He shared with us that, that as we emerge from this circuit breaker, as COVID-19 continues to challenge us as a country, we are going to change. We are going to go into a, a different state of existence, that things will not be the same. Of course, there are certain things that is ordinary, that is normal, that we will uh, get back, but it'll be in a different form. And the fact is, he's striving and, and reminding us that change is a definite. We cannot expect things to go back to normal after this whole experience. And what are your thoughts? What are the things that you may be afraid of? But first of all, I'd like to remind you that we should first be thankful for some of the things that we receive from this circuit breaker. You know, it's easy to dwell into the, the negative part of it, the fact that we're stuck at home, the fact that we can't physically gather at church, that we can't meet my friend for a kopi or a tesi. You know, there are all these things that may be negative, but I am sure, like many people that I've talked to, there were a lot of positive things. What are some of yours? I think for, for me, definitely is being able to spend time with my family that I would never have had before this. I can spend time with Lucas and Tiffany and watch Lucas go through the stage where he is learning to talk. You know, this is something that if I miss, I will go to work, come back, and he'll be speaking some new words that I've never, ever realized that he could, and I missed the part where he was struggling to learn it. And that is so cute and so awesome. And also having that, to be with my son and my wife for the day, uh, just being there with them in the, in the family and appreciating the fact that, hey, this is something that is precious to me. And also, you know, as I share with you, that, that with the ability to go visit my parents was something that I, take, I took for granted. It's just like, oh, I can go just visit them anytime. And, but the fact that now it is something that, you know, taken away and given back, when I went to visit them, I was like, wow, this is such an awesome experience. What are some of the things that you miss, but some of the things that, hey, you're actually thankful for? Then, of course, there were things, there are, there are things that troubles us. If you look at life, it is definitely not the same. Definitely, as you, you look into the future, it's not the same. I was reading on some article on flying, and flying itself uh, has become so different, so different. But some of the things that's going to be different, you know, one of the things that, that people like to do is gather. Uh, I live in Topayo, uh, the, the older part of Singapore, and for me, I see a lot of old folks. And man, they just gather all the time, gather all the time, and they come together to play chess, to just 
chit-chat, and uh, I can see them just riding bicycles from different blocks and gathering near my house. And there's one particular uncle that till now, he still goes downstairs. I've shared with you about him before. And I, and I see him, I could see that he really missed connecting with his friends. Because unlike us, he's probably not as, as connected with uh, technology. He may not even have a smartphone that allows him to call his friend. And even that, he wouldn't know how to Zoom and uh, just talk to four or five of them all at the same time. These are things that definitely is not the same anymore. If you look at what we experience now, it, this is like in Singapore. I know I like to read out on technology, and I, I first came across this robot uh, overseas as they was testing this robot that was able to go through terrains and uh, carry a camera and even help defuse bombs. I'm like, wow, that's awesome technology. Lo and behold, it's in East Coast. And what it's there for was to help maintain safe distancing between people. And I just like, Singapore is way ahead. It's crazy. And this robot will travel around and walk around the park, and you'll tell people that, you know, you're too close, you know, like, Maybe even like if you're not wearing your mask. I've not met the, the robot myself, but this is crazy. These are like things that I read in a sci-fi book. And now it's a reality in Singapore at East Coast Park. This is different. This is new. This is a change that we may have to get used to. What else? This is in Thompson Plaza. Thompson Plaza, um, this is a, a trial, a trial in uh, the food court there. And they're putting this perplex, uh, uh, perplex, perplex, I don't know what you call it, uh, this plastic, uh, you know, transparent plastic shield that when you eat together, you can kind of still see each other, but you can't really, like, your saliva won't, won't hit each other, you know, your, your food. You know we, know, we love talking. We love talking when we eat, but, you know, we're not supposed to. But we're going to do that, and, you know, this is to protect people from, you know, having the saliva spread to one another. This is going to be a norm because they're trawling it, which means they're aiming to implement it. In fact, Next time when you go to a hawker center or food court, you may have like your own cubicle, you know, like con cubicle. And then, uh, I don't know, man, they may implement just a sign there. You don't have to use a tissue to chop it anymore. You can just like, bing, scan the barcode, it's mine. I don't know, man. It's pretty crazy how things are, are changing because of the impact of COVID-19 and uh, of this circuit breaker, of this virus. This is a norm, a new norm that we have to adjust to. This is like from Under Armour. Like they, they produce clothes and, and shorts and shoes for, for like workout. And they have gone into developing masks because they know that from now on, athletes, they still need to continue to train, but it's going to be different. They're going to have to be able to access a, a mask that they can wear while training and not be suffocated. You know, it's hard enough, like I go to the gym and I work out without a mask and I go heavy breathing and it's really hard to breathe sometimes. Imagine having to work out and wear a mask. Oh, wow. But that is the new world. That is the new norm. And the business world definitely catch on to that and they're adjusting themselves very quickly to this. In fact, what they claim is that this mask has a, a quoting that will, will prevent COVID-19. You'll kill it upon contact. I don't know how true that is. It's still going through tests, but this is amazing. This is just crazy stuff. And uh, going on the mask thing, because the mask prevents like expressions and people from being like really being able to connect, it tells us how important our faces are. Like, you know, for the longest time, we just assume I can see you, I can read your expression. But now with a mask, 
You know what, what, what the good thing about wearing a mask? When you go out, everybody is good looking. Like everybody's good looking. And something about wearing masks, it just makes you look good, you know. Um, but, but then so they, these guys are, 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 pro, are, are researching how to invent uh, a fabric or a, a material that is uh, environmentally friendly but almost transparent, almost transparent. You can look at it, it's a sample of what it is. You actually kind of see his face. And this material can be molded into a mask. So eventually, we may be able to wear masks that is like kind of semi-transparent and we'll be able to see each other's expression. But that, another side of this is telling us that wearing a mask is going to become a norm. For the longest time, the mask was just worn by mainly people from North Asia. That is a norm. And of course, uh, some people in Vietnam, where they ride a motorbike, you know, just, just to cover the dust. And Singapore will wear the mask only when, you know, the fire burns and the smoke comes or the haze comes. But now it's going to be a daily necessity. Don't you realize that, you know, there have been a few times where whenever I leave my house, I'll grab a few things. You know, I'll wear my watch. Uh, I will grab my car key, my house key, and my wallet. Those are like my standard issue when I go out of the house. And no, recently, you know, there been, and you know, sometimes when you go out of the house and then you forget your wallet, you know, you have that feeling that you have left something important and you go, you go to the lift and then boom, it's like, whoa, I need to go back and get it. That's been happening to me for the mask, you know. Now, you know, it's, it's legally required that we all wear masks when we go out and I'll grab my keys, I'll grab my wallet and then I'll go out and then boom, there's that feeling Something essential, something necessary, a part of me when I leave the house has been forgotten, and that's my mask. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be woven into a, being a part of our lives. So what and how will the church change? We cannot expect things to be back to normal, back to the ordinary. There'll be elements that will recapture as a community, but we have to accept the fact we have to take the next step towards change. In fact, this, this COVID-19, this circuit breaker have shown us that the, for the longest time, we've sought to, to, to fill up spaces, the building, to have more people gather physically together. You know, there's been big churches out there that, that there's immensely huge buildings where they just kind of fill it up and we're like, wow, that's awesome if we could do that. But all of a sudden, we can't. We can't gather physically together anymore. And it's going to be a norm and it's going to stretch for a long time. And church, the fact is it's not going to happen in phase two where we're going to gather physically together again. In fact, I doubt it will be in the early stage of phase three. It probably will take us at the very least three months and definitely around six months before we can gather again. What will the church do? What will you and I do as the church in a time like this? What are the steps that we have to take to change? I will bring you back to a very important passage in the scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews chapter 10, starting from verse 19, we're going to go to verse 25. I'd like to walk you through and remind you of what you and I as the church, what our identity is. And as we go through that, we may remind ourselves, then we may realize what we're supposed to do as the church of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the new places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. First of all, church, who we are are not just a bunch of people who sign up for a membership of a church. We're not a bunch of people who just registered ourselves to attend this church or that church. You and I are people, are brothers, family, that have entered the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And we have that confidence. And the word here, confidence, is telling us that this is a a, a feeling, an emotion, a standing that we have in adversity to go into the holy places. This holy place is not a special, like the church sanctuary. No, 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 no. That is into a relationship with God that we may have felt that we were estranged before. We didn't have the ability to connect with God in that way before this happened. And what happened was that the blood of Jesus cleansed you and me and made us right with God. You know, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, a physical manifestation of God's approval happened. The curtains in the Dan temple was torn in half from top to bottom. But this verse tells us that, that that curtain, that piece of material, that cloth, was a symbol of Jesus himself who was torn apart for you and I. So if you have any doubt about your standing with God, note that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you and me, and we are able to stand in right standing with Him. Let us go on to verse 21 and 22. It says then, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And you know, once that curtain is torn, if you imagine with me, as you walk into what is called the most holy place, there before you, according to Levitical tradition, there will be a priest, a high priest. And you know who's that high priest? He's not only the curtain, he's the priest. Jesus Christ is your high priest. And what does the high priest do? The high priest says, you are accepted by God. You know, when they used to sprinkle blood, it was they sprinkle on the curtain. And so as a, a symbol, a sign that your sin has been transferred to that piece of curtain. So what we say about the sprinkling of, of blood and water, is not that there's this magical potion, this holy water that as we are sprinkled, we are redeemed. No, 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 no. It's pointing us to the fact that our sin has been taken for us and sprinkled upon the curtain, which is Jesus Christ. And the high priest who does that is also our Jesus Christ. And he says that since we have a high priest over the house of God, is it here, is it in this building that we can meet Jesus, that we can meet God the Father, that we can meet the Holy Spirit? No. You know where's the house of God? The house of God is you. The house of God is you, is me. Because we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, because we've been cleansed by His sacrifice, we have become the house of God. The sanctuary, the holy place, the Hagia, the most holy place, is no longer on earth physically as a building. It has been en- encapsulated in our lives. 
And then there's a, as a sign of the holy place that's in heaven, you and I have become the holy place on earth, a symbol of what God is doing in our lives. Let me go on to verse 23. And so understanding your identity, where you stand with God, Hebrews 10 tells us, let us hold fast, hang on, the words, hang on, the confession of our hope without wavering for the, prom- for the one who promised is faithful. It's not that you and I are faithful that we are able to hold on. You know, holding on to the promise of God in hope, especially in this adversity, this, this pandemic, is not by the faith that you and I possess. That's legalism. The faith that we have is nothing. The fact that we can hold on to the hope of the future in our Lord Jesus Christ is because of who He is. It's because of who He is. There's a picture that comes to my mind. Uh, I used to want to become a, a, a rescue uh, paramedic. And not the Singapore kind. You know, the, the kind that, you know, you live in Australia and then you go in a helicopter and then you go out into the ocean and then you rescue people who are stuck in the sea. That was like one of my dreams um, before I decided to to become a pastor and study other stuff. You know, one of the things that happened is that when they dropped down the paramedic, the rescue person down to like people who are stuck in the sea, um, the waves are so strong. Like, let's give me, just give you an explanation how, how high the waves are. If you look at your house, a normal HDB house, from the bottom to the top, it's about two, 2.5 meters at the most, the height from the floor to the ceiling. One wave out in one, some of the oceans in, uh, in Australia, the Pacific Ocean, is at the minimum three meters. This wave, this body of water that is like three meters. So if you're trying to like swim out of the wave, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so when you're lowered down, you're lowered into this crazy atmosphere of wave tossing over you, three meters of wave smack upon you. It's like, you know, have you ever tried jumping up like, down on a, a dive platform? Yeah? And then, you, you know, you end up flat on your stomach. Psh, the splatter. You know how painful that is? Like, I've tried it. You know, you, you think you're really good. Yeah? You watch those diving, you know, Olympic, and then it's like, oh, perfect. I can do that. And no, 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 no. I've landed on my back. I landed on my front. And it's a smack. And then it's all red. Painful. Imagine three meters of water just smacking down on you. That's, that's what it's like. And so when the, when the paramedic goes down and he's, he ties with all his might and effort, he ties the harness to the guy and he will say one thing, hold on, hold on. So he holds on to the rope. We all know that holding on, he can't hold on for nuts. Like this person won't be able to hang on to the harness. You know, he, the wave will blow and he'll let go. What's actually holding on to him was the harness. Was the harness that's, that's tied tightly around him. That's Jesus. That's Jesus in our need for holding on to our hope. It's not because of the strength of our forearm, how many pull-ups you can do. Nah, man. It's the harness that's tied around us. We hold on just to control, like kind of steer ourselves a little bit, but mainly the work is done by the harness. Jesus is the one. His faithfulness is what will hold on to you. And let us go on. Verse 24, And let us, then let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, what do we do when we gather? I want you to think back to not so long ago, but seems like ages ago, a time when the church gathered physically. When we gather together, are these things, are those, are, are, you know, the list as I just read out, are those things that we used to do? Do we stir up one another to love and good deeds or we just stir up one another, just to annoy one another, you know? Do we neglect to meet up, like we find excuses and, you know, that we just, ah, it's okay, I'll just go next Sabbath. You know, this circuit breaker has reminded us how precious it is to come physically to church, right? Like it used to be, ah, I won't go today, you know, I'm tired. But then now it's like people calling me all week and like, Pastor James, when can we gather? I'm like, man, I wish this coming Sabbath, but no, we can't. You know, it's something you take for granted. You don't cherish it until you lose it. And then not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. The scripture is clear. It's giving us a, 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 a judgment. It says, that's what you do, right? And I, I know, I, I accept. I look at it as like, yep, yep, yeah, that's me. You know, I, uh, but of course you see Pastor James at church every week. But you know, before I became a pastor, like coming to church was a thing that I'm like, oh man. Not every week I was like enthusiastic. Even as a pastor, it's not like, I wake up like, church! That's not true. That's not reality. You know, but this circuit breaker, like every Sabbath, I'm like, church! You know, I'm just excited about it, you know. And then when we come to church, and as we be the church, the scripture in Hebrews 10, 25 says, encouraging one another. Encourage one another. Do we encourage one another when we meet together? In what context? It says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus is coming back again. Soon. I cannot say it clear enough. I'm not saying that because there's a pandemic, because there's protests around the world, because there's violence, that, that is, that's, those things tell us Jesus is coming back again. No, 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 no. It's that as I see those things, I realize it's the beginning of the fulfillment of what the Scripture says. I believe the Scripture and for the longest time, I just dismiss all this craziness. But now it's like in my face. You're going to say, Pastor James, but this pandemic will go. And I'll tell you, did you forget, if you look back, ever since SARS, how many like, worldwide viruses have happened? In fact, it's just not me. Now, it's not Christians. These are world leaders out there who says this is not going to be the last. It's going to be the first and how it changes our life is because we're preparing for what's going to come as a regular incident. We may be better able to deal with it, but it doesn't stop it from happening. And guess what? Whatever we do, man, just a natural disaster come, wipes up a hospital, the whole country goes into chaos again. And then we look at the people, the protests that's happening. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but these are things that's going to become a regular feature of our lives. That's not normal. And it's not bad. I think it's good. It reminds us that, hey, the church has to be the church and embrace our identity as the church. This morning as I was with the class, we, we, we captured a term that says that the church, the church should be a theater of grace. A theater of grace. Finding Acts of the Apostle. Is the church a theater of grace? And how will the church be a theater of grace if we can't gather physically, if there's no church-planned program that is allowed. 
And so, church, I'm going to challenge you today with a few things. Moving forward, as we go into phase two and phase three, and eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to gather physically in some way or another. But before that, the church does not cease to exist. But we'll aim to do more. We'll aim to become more. We'll aim to embrace our true calling. So the first thing I'm challenging the church to do is that each and every individual of us, we will intentionally connect. Intentionally. Not incidentally, not sometimes, but we will intentionally connect. With who? Not only with the church members. I tell you, like there's about 160 of us who gather physically before the circuit breaker, but a lot of people have never connected with one another. And one thing that I, I'm seeing that is happening is that there's more and more connection happening between this church than before. There is more, for sure, because I know, I know because why? You ask me, hey, can I have the number of this person? Can I have the email of that person? Hey, do you know how I can contact this person? Do you have the address of this person? He tells me two things. First of all, that they've never connected before, but the fact that the, the Thanksgiving I'm giving is that they're now connecting. They're making more phone calls. They're catching out, checking out one another more. And people like Daniel Kim, who is stuck in his dorm room by himself, have received more connection than before, I'm sure. So let's be intentional. We will as a church, intentionally connect. Not just some of us, not just the leadership, not just the pastor, all of us. All of us who've been cleansed by the blood of Christ will intentionally connect more. Secondly, as part of this connection, I challenge the church to open up invitation. What do you mean? As you go into phase two, friends will be allowed to meet one another but we'll not be able to gather in our big numbers over here just yet. No, we can't. But smaller groups can gather. Not just a typical care group where a spiritual study small group. No, 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 no. Socially. Don't just connect with people that you always have. That's good, and I don't have to ask you. You will do that. I'm not sure. You will start doing that very quickly once we go into phase two. But intentionally invite others into that connecting space. One thing that me, my family and I really appreciate is some people in our church does that for us. For example, like Joy and Kenny, like they, they've been one of the few that have always connected with us and invited us over to their place. We stay kind of near each other and because of that proximity, you know, they've invited us and we've been able to go over. Like the Gerbers, Ralph and Esther have also invited us to go over. That's a blessing. And we give thanks for that, that, that opportunity to connect at their house. And I really appreciate you if you're listening to me right now. Like that is awesome. But we need to do more. More people. I'm inviting more of us to do that, to, to establish connection spaces. So the second thing I'm challenging the church to do is we will create connection spaces because this building is right now at the moment out of bounds. Out of bounds. You can't come here physically. And a lot of time we've relied on the church building to connect, the church-run program to connect. Now is the time during this circuit breaker, God has thrown it back into our lab and says, church, you have space that I've given to you for you to connect. I don't know what is that's going to mean for you, but some of you have bigger space, some of you have smaller space, but you have a space. 
my friend in Hong Kong, Ted, man, he's, his space is not very big. As you know, most of the houses in Hong Kong are not big. But even in his limited space, in the, in the chaos of moving and having a baby that's going to be due in a few weeks' time, he still makes an effort of con- opening up his space as a connecting space, inviting people to, to come in. And he says, James, you know, my space is not very big, but it is a blessing. Not many people can do that, and I have it. I'm going to open it up because it's a gift from God. And I'm one day I'm going to interview him and ask him to share about his story of how he received that gift. It is amazing. Next, we will look at this, this space as no longer valid. We're not going to try to build this space anymore. We're going to be thankful we have what we have, but we're not going to look at expanding it, making it bigger, because that's not the reality that we're going to have as we get out of this circuit breaker. In fact, you know, I hear from people that, that those in the business world is doing the same. They're reducing their office space and more people are asked to work from home. That's going to be the new norm. And the church cannot like, no, nah, we're just gonna, not going to do that. We're just gonna, no, the government's not encouraging that and for our own sake. For many reasons, you know. So let us as a church not look to build bigger physical gathering space because God has already given us the connection spaces. In the early church, they didn't have huge auditorium. They have houses, homes, void decks, and not the void deck that we have in HDB, but like, you know, front yard. They have like, of course, they do gather at a synagogue, but that was just like an occasional thing. They actually gather more in the private space. Some of us are blessed with the private space. And on top of that, we're blessed with the gift of hospitality. Now is the time to use it. Our new connection space is going to be like this. It's going to be your home. It's going to be a living room. Like, you know, you have space. You don't need to invite the whole church over. Like, the government is helping us pace ourselves. It's like, like five people. Five people, that's it. You know, invite like five. Start small, but start connecting. Start intentionally connecting start creating and looking for opportunities to have these connection spaces. It is, a, I have to be honest, I can tell you for people living in Singapore, it is not natural. It is not natural. It is not who we are. We're not used to it. We're just like, hey, bro, let's go down to eat a prata. We're fine with that. But right now, that's not available. You know, even if you go out, there's going to be a, a plastic between you and that person. You know, just, it's very difficult. But in your homes, you can. I'm not saying that Russia and do this crazy thing right now. No, no, no. Follow the government guidelines. And when that is becoming available, now may be the time for you to pray. God, are you asking me to do that? God, prepare me. God, convict me. Now, we will connect in those spaces. But it's one more thing I want to talk about. You know the mask thing? I'm not okay. I'm gonna be clear, right? No, no, feel misquote me. I'm not saying don't wear mask. Right? We're not gonna say don't wear. But don't put on a fake mask of expression. Right? Don't pretend. Now, one of the things that I saw online was that uh, because now most of our phones, um, they have this face ID recognition that unlocks the phone. And because a lot of you are wearing masks, it doesn't work. So like, and then it's like, you know, in a pandemic, right, you don't have to be like, pull down your mask in the public and then, and then you get fined $300. It's like, and also you're like, you breathe in the virus. Like, it's a really like, challenging thing. So people have come with a design where they, imp- they print their, like, their face on the mask. So as they use the face ID, it worked. It worked, right? 
But I think for a church, a longest, for the longest time, a lot of us put on a fake mask. Not the safety hygiene mask, but a mask of pretending to be somebody we're not. We put on a fake smile. I know people used to call it the church face. And you put on a church face just before you get out of the car. You have this huge argument in the car with your kids and your wife maybe. And then just before you open the door, you're like, let me put on my church face, smack. And then you come in and you smile and you're all nice. It's fake. I'm not saying that you just come in angry or that, but like just don't, let's, when you go into the connection spaces, when you invite people into your homes, let's try to be real. Let's try to be who we are. And that's where we can really get to know one another. You know, it, it's no use trying to pretend to be somebody when you come to church. Because, you know, the truth is you can't pretend in front of God. And God will reveal in your hearts, in my heart, what your true situation is. So as the church gather, remember, we will intentionally connect. We will seek to create connection spaces creatively. God will inspire you. And we will connect authentically. So that is something that I'm asking the church to do. You know, at the end, I wish I was, I'll have more photos of this, of just people gathering together of different ethnicity, different background, different social groups that's never really connected before, different age group. They just come together. You'll find common interests and common things to connect. I'm not just talking about, remember, I'm not just talking about those Bible study connections, those care groups or small groups. Those are good. And hopefully eventually we have more of that too. But right now, I'm encouraging the church to be the church to connect with one another when we are allowed to.